0: This is RevTech Podcast, where we discuss everything from business processes to measurement and technical alignment. The RevTech mission focuses on effectively managing and optimizing the go-to-market strategy through methodologies, tools, and best practices. We discuss the success criteria and technical fit guides for decision-making and ensure solutions align with the business goals. It brings me a great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Jesse Shipman from Fluency. Welcome.
1: Oh, thanks, Dimitri. Jesse, so good to have you. Um, I'm excited to be chatting with you about this. We've chatted for for a long time, back and forth as you've been building this. So I'd love to start with just a, a high-level pitch of what fluency does and is.
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so fluency, oh, you're going to get my one-liner. This is going to be so great. Perfect. i been working really hard on it. I've gotten a lot of feedback. Uh <laughs> I didn't always have a one-liner, so it feels good. Um, (laughs) Fluency helps uncover partnership referral revenue from everyday conversations. Um, So usually I tell people that and then I stop and they sort of say – okay, can you say more? <laughs> and that's like always what you hope for a one-liner is that somebody's like, that's intriguing enough. It also gives them an out if they're completely uninterested. And they're so, like, I have no need for that. Uh, I, I don't on. care. Yeah, 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 I don't know what any of that means. Uh, it lets them walk away and be like, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but- yes, the idea really is that we're like ingesting transcripts, ingesting call transcripts, mm-hmm. uh, and we're looking for the keywords that partners in your ecosystem solve for. Um, So, so many partner matches kind of come from like, well, we have a similar customer, you know, there's like an overlap uh, from something like a reveal or a crossbeam. What we're trying to do is actually get to the problem before that, which is uh, the awareness of what partner partners in an ecosystem do and surfacing up the partners that solve for that problem um, without the person who's having the conversation, even having to know about, know about it or remember it
1: do you have like an easy example of like we would hear this word and the transcript and think xyz partner
2: well let me ask you like what are what would be the words that would make you sit up and and be like oh that's what ad roll does right so it would be like remark retargeting. retargeting. Yeah. Okay, perfect. This is so funny I actually. Just saw a transcript with uh, this keyword in it, retargeting. Um and it didn't we don't have adroll. It, we need to add adroll into our uh into our, our database. Uh but essentially like we would be hearing the, for the or listening for the word retargeting and if it came up in a conversation, what we would do is just then send a Slack message to the person who had that conversation to say Adroll does retargeting. Cool. Yep, that makes total sense.
1: And so what's kind of the story behind starting this company and and how did you come to to want to start it I'd love to hear more about that
2: yeah for sure so um it really the the impetus for the company had kind of a, a multi-faceted uh start and and uh some of it is relevant some of it isn't um but ultimately like I was working in partner enablement. It's been partner enablement really is like my life's best work. Um, I I fell into it as many partner pros do. Um, I didn't know that that's what I was getting into when I actually like I, the job that was described to me. I was it was in the SE organization um, and it was what was called like technical enablement. So we were going to be taking some of our like sales enablement, but we were really going to have like a very focused technical spin um and i was fortunate enough to be able to be a part of uh the strategic partner organization at apple so i was able to uh, i was still working in what we call field engineering um my title officially had se in it but it, what it was was a partner enable like technical partner enablement manager um and what i was doing was like digging into the, the relational aspect of this, building out the partnership, asking my partners, like, what what is your enablement structure look like and how can we fit into it? How do your people learn? What do they want to learn? What's necessary for them to understand in order to be able to go sell our Better Together story? And we, we gathered all the data. We created this incredible program. You know, we built all the assets and part of it. And then what we realized or what I realized was that, uh, I was still only meeting with people like once a quarter, <laughs> right? I had I had a captive audience for once a quarter, and no, as an educator, I used to be a high school teacher, and so like my background and and really uh, who I am as as a person is really a teacher, and so like uh, I was looking at this, going the forgetting curve is real. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the forgetting curve, but essentially, like you're going to have a height a really heightened understanding of content. Uh, And you're going to be really excited about it. But if there's no context to create like a framework in your brain about remembering that information, it just it tanks. It's gone. And so what I needed was to in my brain was like, I need to be able to give them the little bit of information they need around the context context. That is part of their job. So if a customer comes to them and says, I'm trying to achieve. So for Apple, for instance, right? Like I'm trying to achieve like digitization. I want to get rid of all my three ring binders and turn it into an iPad. Right. Uh, and like hearing those things, somebody should say, I mean, if they said iPad, right, then you would know Apple. <laughs> um, but like ultimately they, w- you would want to be like, oh, you want to build an enterprise application for iOS. Yep. Right. And have them be able to say that. Uh and I wasn't able to get their attention or have their attention enough to do that. And so that's really where like the the foundation of the idea of fluency came from uh, was trying to be top of mind. Yeah, that makes sense. When you said uh, I fell on a partner enablement, I
1: was waiting for the big ticket name of a company because not many people have partner enablement dedication. So um, <laughs> and I'm, we're seeing a little bit more, which is exciting. Um, I know HubSpot recently has put a lot of... Uh, a few resources resources towards it, which is great. Uh, I had another thought while you we were chatting. Cause I find partnerships people to generally be very skew more towards the teacher mindset. Cause so much of your job is that. How often have you run into that? I don't know if I knew that was your background.
2: Um not as often as... Well, so people who really love partner enablement typically have some kind of, uh, like, uh, of April Trask. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you know April from Cloudinary, um, but April has, like, a really interesting, like, uh, education and teaching background. So I run into it a bit, but most most people who are in partnerships fell into it because some they were on a sales or marketing team and somebody says we need to do something with all of these partners and you're it you seem like a uh, good person yeah <laughs> that's right yeah um <laughs> uh, but not a lot of people who have have gotten number one like into big tech through teaching like yeah. that's uh it's a weird actually route. quite a yeah. big leap yeah um and then uh and then from big tech in like usually, if a teacher comes into tech, it's through CS, yeah, because uh, they're really great at relationships. Um, but partnerships usually comes from from marketing from sales or sales and marketing. Yeah, I think it's a great. I've I've advocated that for a long time. Like if you're looking for a partner person, go look at a teacher. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: and deal yeah. with a lot
1: of like competing priorities, cross functional management, and the educational piece of it. So that's what it just yeah made zero me think
2: resources. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those fun <laughs> things. All those things. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I, I mean, I, honestly, I think it's a, it's a very intuitive thing to have a teacher that is in this role. Um, I would think that is probably my first pick if I need to think about someone, right? I, I don't think the sales necessarily is a, is a default um, choice. Uh, some people are really good at selling. They're not necessarily good at teaching others how to sell. And it's almost like with a basketball player that is a great basketball player, but not necessarily necessarily a best coach. That's right. Um, And the same is here, right? I feel like um, having a teacher who went through a lot of these uh, difficulties, and I I think it was funny about the resources, um, you know, it it gives you this this ability to to be uh, creative. Um, You know, seller is a very efficient type of role. It's just getting to the point, sell, close the deal. And here you have to go through the multi-threads and deal with multiple questions that maybe are not relevant relevant for the deal because the ultimate goal for you is just to teach someone. So that makes a lot of sense to me.
2: Agreed. Yeah, for sure. That's that's if your organization is prepared to do partnerships right. You know, if your organization is really just like trying to use partnerships as a growth hack, like of course you would go to somebody who's, who's a seller to go first. Yeah. Not that sellers, I mean, they're brilliant. Brilliant partner people. We know them all who came from from sales, Um, but they're also they almost always get into partnerships because they've realized that partnerships is a much more efficient way to sell. Um, And then they just decide that they want to do partnerships as a career versus like sticking with selling. Um, I I think that's pretty common, but I think if you just are going to toss somebody into it for the first time and without any like context around partnerships, I would agree that a teacher is better than a seller.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's move to the next part of our of our conversation here, and let's talk about capital. And what is what is your stage, of the company, and you know what is your current financing, um, need at the moment?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, more so money. My, the current. <laughs> uh, what did? Is... Oh man. Uh, so so I'm I'm bootstrapped. Uh, uh, our, our, our fluency is bootstrapped. I plan to stay bootstrapped. Uh, until we, uh. Honestly, I I can only imagine or want to take capital once we get to the point where uh, I would do some kind of like growth equity uh, and, you know, and and do some kind of secondary. This is probably very, very far down the road. Um, But, you know, we're going to be somebody said it was another word for bootstrapped is revenue uh, funded. (laughs) We're we're a revenue funded business, uh, which I think is just bananas that there are other kinds um but that's the world we live in um so yeah we we're very early stage um we have had this product out uh since uh june so uh three months or so Mm -hmm. um we have uh one customer one paying customer and then um we're actually onboarding another three customers into our pilot program um We do like a three month pilot uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But the reality is, is that like my very next goal, my very next financial goal is really to just be like operationally sustained. So I'm bringing in enough revenue to run the company indefinitely, just on the operations cost. And then, you know, the next goal after that will be enough money to then be able to hire someone me or probably more likely my developer um mm-hmm. and then the next goal would be then to hire me and we keep growing the team and growing the product and and really like trying to either break even or be profitable as a rule of thumb
0: okay that sounds great and um uh, um what is the what is the plan for the next uh year or two in terms of the in terms of the growth i mean you said you have a one customer. Uh, Sounds like you have some operational and financial targets for the next couple of uh, uh, months. And and, I mean, you have anything you can share with us?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a... As, asking that question of a very early-stage founder is usually a uh, – it's just a shot in the dark, right? Like I'm just aiming in the general direction of the dartboard. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that, that operational sustainability is like five to six paying customers. Okay. Um, that that would be my – that's my goal before, um, you know, I, I've got probably another 10-ish months of runway um before fluency will cease to exist and no longer have any money to run operationally uh so that's the goal is to not have mm-hmm. that happen um but beyond that um you know i want to be of value um it's not really so much it, i imagine that at some point it will need to become a, about the metrics and the targets but right now it's like let me build something that's of value to this community that i have spent so much time being a part of and hearing from and wanting to build something that's novel and useful and and helps to solve this problem that everybody so far has just ignored because it seems just too hard to solve um that's that's my that's my true north like that's my target and so like hopefully as i start to be able to prove that that value exists that i am indeed solving this problem then we will start to see growth in you know whatever that looks like uh ultimate growth to the point of efficiency <laughs> uh and then being able to sort of like uh have the revenue targets to support you know more hiring and then uh that sort of thing so I can't tell you what the number If I was going to be like, if I was VC funded, right? We already know what the answer is 300, 300, 200, 200, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Uh, and, but for me, it could be a 20% growth. It could be 50% growth. It really just depends on, you know, how we're feeling as a company, how I'm feeling as a founder and like what what i decide and that's the great part about not being funded is that i get to decide how fast i grow
1: yeah that's what i was just gonna say it's like if you are raising money you know exactly what your goals are because you're talking about them all the time with uh either angel investors or vcs or whatever and now you get to kind of set your own milestones um there is you know money isn't endless so I'm, i'm sure there are milestones that are that you just mentioned that are you need to hit but it's um it's got to be kind of freeing because you can you you have been able to pivot and do different things and like really do something that is meaningful and helpful versus trying to hit a target, which is great.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important that you the way you put it, um, um, because you said about the number of customers and the kind of use cases that are behind that you're trying trying to put together and create a value right i think that's that's kind of at this stage the most important thing before somebody will invest or commit to invest right so um uh, i know we're going to talk more about a product you know uh and then this conversation so i will i'll keep it for the right moment but in, in the meantime maybe we can move to the go-to-market strategy and lizzie yeah
1: um for yeah. sure so you you mentioned having a few customers onboarding what type of customer fits your product best? What are you seeing as kind of like the the ideal profile for a customer?
2: Yeah, so our first customer is an agency. So we kind of are, are playing a, a two-sided game here. So the first part is that uh, if you have an ecosystem, right? Like that's table stakes. <laughs> you have to have partners in an ecosystem. Um, How many? And, and How s- many ecosystem um, partners? So I, I think that if you get beyond 5, you're asking your sellers to remember a lot. Agreed. Right? Yep. Um so to me it's like 6 or more. Um where you're actually and again like the problem we're trying to solve is like the capacity of the human brain to remember the better together stories of not only your product but all of the products in your ecosystem. Yep. Uh and so Anybody who has an ecosystem that's larger than six really is like a, a good fit um, right now. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we actually won't know like what our product market fit is until we've put it in the hands of a bunch of people and tested it and, you know, see uh, where the chips kind of fall. But our first customer is is a, a RevOps agency. So they essentially are saying, like, we're going to come in and help you uh, get all of your RevOps into an efficient state. And they have about 50 partners that they work with that they actually have a direct revenue share with. Uh, and we listen for those partners. And the value prop to them is that they actually want to open up their partners as a a revenue stream, right? So they have these 10% or 20% or whatever the revenue share is. Um, And what we're doing is uncovering those partners so that at scale, they can actually start bringing in that rev share. The other coin of this is if you're a tech company who has a, a tech partner program that you're really trying to help to create these solutions, particularly for like CS. Maybe sales, probably more like BDR, so that you can get it in really quickly, like get get the partner in before the deal is three quarters of the way down yep. down the sales cycle. Um but or a CS, right? Because we all know that like uh retention and and uh and and integration are like linked. Very sticky. closely together. Yeah. Very sticky. Um, and so, if a CS, uh, as you're doing a QBR or, or talking to a customer, if a CS is able to say, Oh, hey, we have a partner that solves that problem. And then they help the customer actually solve the problem with a, the partner, like that's a really interesting and critical way to go about that. Yeah. Um, which can also then help with cross sell and uh, upsell and whatever else the targets might be around CS. Um, so so those are kind of the two sides of the coin. And then the other piece is for these tech companies who have channel partners, right? So like if you have an agency partner, a bunch of agencies or a bunch of solution partners that go and implement your software, like you will want all of their sellers and consultants to be aware when you're the right solution. And so we, we're, we're playing with that idea as well.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that the... the... Agency, there's so many agencies that have come up in these larger ecosystems, whether it's Shopify or HubSpot or whatever it may be. Um, and as it becomes harder and harder to be an agency uh, in the, the macroeconomic situation, it's an interesting flip of the switch to think about, do my partners become a revenue source? Because they really can be. Like referral views out there are pretty generous. Um and so to make sure your teams are, are well aware of it, because I just think there's a lot of missed opportunities to send over a referral um, that could turn into a pretty big payout for the agency. So and then, yeah, the sell through part of it, like we work with a lot of solutions partners. We want to make sure they're thinking about us. Does this become something that you now have as part of like your agency partner benefits where you actually get access to this tool, which is a, a cool concept?
2: yeah for sure, yeah it kind of the idea again is to solve that top of mind problem, right like if need if you have an agency that's a partner of yours, they're probably partners with twenty thirty fifty other companies um and if they're doing this at scale, uh remembering who you are and what you do is the most difficult again, like i I really believe this that awareness is the most difficult part of partnerships once they're aware. And you've done a deal together and the relationship is built and the trust is there, um, they'll keep going back. They'll yeah. keep going back to you. They'll remember that experience. But like the awareness is the biggest barrier to trust.
1: Yeah, I always think about like, I just need this uh person at the agency to sell one deal with us and then we'll have just them. Won. Yeah, but it's yeah. that that's like a big wall to get over, is that first deal. So um Yep. How are you going to to market right now? Are you it sounds like you're getting to like kind of that partnerships model with tech companies selling through, but uh are you mostly doing it product led, sales led? I'm I'm assuming not too much marketing led. Um, but but how are you going to market at the moment?
2: Yeah, it's founder led sales. Um, so at this point, um and there I I really do ascribe to this sort of like uh I guess I could call it the pavilion model but I don't think it's actually the pavilion model that's just where I learned it. Um <laughs> but essentially like it's it's founder led s- sales and growth through the ideas of community and relationship, right? And 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 um founder brand, right? So I started out uh building a brand on LinkedIn uh almost 2 years ago of just like really only talking about partner enablement um and and also talking about you know the founder journey and all that kind of stuff yeah um so building that founder brand and then and and also like being a value to the communities i choose to be in and just being like a genuinely like kind (laughs) helpful helpful person um for the sake of being kind and helpful right but all of that goes into the brand um which is great because that's who I am. Um, and then using and leveraging those relationships to say, like, I'm trying to build something of value here. And, like, we have a relationship. And if you think it's valuable, I would love for you to be able to try it and then give give me feedback, give me revenue. Like, and then hopefully it's symbiotic, right? Like, oh, I just used a buzzword. Ugh. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, like there, there's a give-get, right? Like that. That's the thing. Is and I'm not trying to sell vaporware. What I'm trying to do is solve for this problem that everybody says they have. yeah, And if you have the problem, try the thing. If it's useful, great. If it's not, no big deal. Our relationship is still intact, and I'm still here to be helpful. Um, and that that's literally my go-to market right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have. It, it doesn't make any sense for me to essentially you you, you kind of build that you know personal brand do some uh founder led sales and then oh, it's word of mouth from there right like as soon as i get like some wins under my belt of this is how fluency works this is what we've gotten from it um here's the actual like revenue numbers cuz once it's working like there's a really clear correlation between like awareness and revenue um and then once i sort of like the The word of mouth thing sort of dies out. Then I'll probably kick in some demand generation marketing, uh, and I won't go to uh, sales led growth until there's demand enough for a salesperson to come on, and and there's a process that that person can follow. Um, it doesn't make any sense for me to go about hiring a bunch of salespeople before all of that process and and demand is already in place. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. Yeah. And I think you've done a really good job uh, putting out like a lot of educational content generally about partnerships to explain this problem, to explain the opportunities and not just this problem, lots of problems, but also the opportunities within partnerships. And then by nature, you know, when someone as a question, they're going to come to you, and it also gives you an opportunity to to share what you're doing and and whatnot. So it's been a, a smart method to take. Um, who are some of your competitors? Are there any competitors doing this, and what does the the market or industry look like?
2: Yeah, I like to say uh, I learned this from another founder, but I like to say that our uh, our competitors the status quo, right? So um, everybody's just sort of like. It's fine that this is a problem. (laughs) Uh, And What we'll do is just we'll just keep onboarding partners until 20 percent of them become helpful to revenue. And that's sort of like what the you know, I even have conversations today with people who are like, where do I start? And I'm like, have you identified your keywords and told them to the people? Uh, And and they're sort of like, oh, no, I, I didn't even know to start there. And so I actually tell people all the time, like, you can do what fluency does without fluency. Right. Like it's more difficult and it's not automated and it's not scalable, but you could do it. Right. Identify your keywords and then have a workshop like go do a workshop with your the sellers at your partners and have them. You read them some some copy or pretend that you're on a call with them and then have them identify those keywords in real time. And then you can maybe get some of that stickiness, right? Some of that learning happening where they can start to hear and listen for your keywords. You better know what the Better Together story is. They better know how to engage you once they've identified it, right? But fluency actually does all of that for them. Um, And so like, I am now forgetting what the question was. Uh, Your competitors.
1: No, it's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But no, you, you made me think of a good point of like, this is a good exercise to do generally speaking with or without fluency of like, what is the one line for each of these partners? What words do salespeople hear or CS people hear that they should be like a bell should go off in their head? Because I think what we tend to do as partnerships people is like, we give them all of this information. Here's all the things it can do. But really what you need to tell them is here's like the one thing it does. And that's what to cue off of. So that's step one is like, what is even that story and then that you have your implementation plan essentially for fluency
2: yeah and the other thing the other competitor i guess in this this is the one i hear a lot is like doesn't gong do that and i'm like for sure gong creates transcripts it it identifies keywords um but in terms of like the ecosystem play there's so many more steps that have to come after the keywords are identified, right? So it's it's literally like the one the one partner. But this is how I've heard that people do it. Uh, it, I've actually had uh prospects tell me that this is how they do it. So that from Gong, they are doing the keyword search across multiple salespeople in their organization. Then, So they're grabbing that transcript. They're looking at the context. If they find that there's a good partner match, then they have to reach out to each individual seller through a Slack message, and then they have to give them what they need. And then then they kick off the workflow process for engaging in a partner. And sometimes they don't get to it until the end of the week. Like they have a process at the end of the week, they do it. So this whoever the prospect was is already a week into the sales cycle. And now the AE might be like, mm-mm. I'm no, we're not doing anything to mess this up. Like the partner doesn't need to be involved. It's not super important, blah, blah, blah. Right. Whatever the excuse is, I don't trust partnerships. I don't want those partner people around my clients or whatever. Right. Um. And so fluency is doing this in real time so that you're not like there's not that lag. And then also it frees up the partner person from having to actually do that work, actually doing something strategic. I literally zoned out
1: as you started to explain that gong process uh, after about step three. And I was like, I don't even want to understand what's happening here because it's a lot of steps that I would never get to. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you're, you're breaking that down into a much easier automated version of that, which is which is awesome. So
2: we have a gong integration. And so what I told somebody the other day was that we're like the ecosystem companion to gong. Like if you already have Gong in place and it's working really well for sales training, forecasting, uh, keyword identification for all kinds of other like revenue operations, that's amazing. Just tack on fluency and we we add the, the ecosystem uh, automation.
1: And will you do the transcribing if they don't already use Gong? Okay. No, we don't do any of our own transcribing. So you have to be using a so, tool that does that essentially?
2: Yeah. Yep. So Google Meet does it and so does Zoom. Zoom now uh, transcribes every call. Um. So, if as long as you have one of those and you're in some kind of like business account for either one of those, it'll do it. It'll work. Yep, that makes sense. Yep. Any?
0: So, go ahead, Dimitris. Sorry, go ahead. I have one question I want to want to ask, in terms of the competitors. So, there are typical or maybe, uh, natural suspects in the kind of enablement space like Seismic, uh, Brain Shark, um. You know high spot showpad, right these are the kind of typical names that are just thrown when you're talking about en- enablement sales enablement for the most part, but not only um I'm just curious how what is your position against these tools and their platforms right and yeah, what is making the fluency different
2: yeah so so fluency does a call to action, like first of all, we're only um... But the only place that a user ever interacts with fluency is Slack. Um, So what we realized and recognized after doing, I I did a ton of of research and people were like, if you're going to build a sales tool, you better not ask anybody to be in it. Mm -hmm. Um, The last thing people want is another place to log in. So users literally, when they get invited to Fluency, they log in, they see a one page dashboard that has the connect button to Slack and the connect button to Zoom and Google Meet, and they connect the two and then they leave Fluency and they never have to come back. Mm hmm. Um, unless something you know gets get disconnected or whatever right but like they, they're not constantly logging into fluency to see things they're not going in there to actually get any of the enablement And so the slack message that we send actually has a call to action in it and that call to action could go to seismic could go to Highspot, could go to brain shark uh, if that's where the enablement lives and also like if that's where the partner person wants, that person to go right so if what you want your salespeople to do is hear about a partner and then learn about what to do next you could send them to one of those enablement platforms if what you want though is for them to fill out a deal reg form you could make it do that Uh, if what you want them to do is Send a Slack message to the partner person. You can make it do that. So like, it's whatever the partner workflow is. We don't want salespeople, number one, to have to remember sales or CS, uh, customer-facing roles. We don't want them to have to remember what every partner does, and we don't want them to have to go searching for what to do once they find mm-hmm. out. And so we just give it all to them right there, whatever right. the flow is.
0: So, so is it fair to say that? These larger mainstream platforms—they—they they acting in a in this space as a information aggregation uh, or a kind of repository. And then what Floss is really doing is converting yeah. that with the uh, additional intelligence through the conversation into action. So it's pushing yeah. these people to really make an action, call them, react, and do something about this instead of just having an information that lives on the platform. and It's never really action, and if it does, yeah. it's just too late
2: yeah it's actionable and directional, okay, so it's not just like uh in it's not just data for the sake of data, right? so we're actually right. like taking this conversational data and turning it into something helpful and useful
0: so in that sense, that's a complementary solution to what the mainstream is okay, that's cool, yes,
1: yep, the connector. I have a bunch of questions, but I think it's a good time to maybe dig into the demo section because I think
0: some
2: are gonna get answered there, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a super easy demo because fluency is a really simple product. It's intended to solve a problem in a simple way. It's not intended to be complicated. Um, so essentially, like this is a, what our sort of dashboard looks like at the moment. Um, and what you can see here is like every user in your organization, um, how many partners have been surfaced to them and how many times they've actually engaged with that partner. It also gives you their role. And then when you click on their name it actually tells you which partner has been surfaced in a conversation and then how many times how many times that partner has been surfaced and how many times they've actually clicked on it um so you can kind of see like these are all the partners that have ever been surfaced in any conversation i've had uh so as a partner manager and organizer is what we call them um you would be able to actually come in here and see you know hey jesse got uh an impression Let's see how many I've got here. Uh, got an impression from, or three impressions from Monday. Uh, let's say this was like five or six, right? Like a whole mess of them. and But they're not clicking. Like what's going on there, right? Uh, why are they not clicking on, on the call to action? And then you can actually go have like an informed decision with this person um, saying like, is it because the keyword is off? Is it because uh, you've used them before and, and know how to get a hold of them? Like, what is the deal? Why, why are they being surfaced to you, but you're not saying anything uh, or doing anything about it? So you can actually see all that information. Um, this is a very simple you know, settings. Obviously, you can change your organization name. This is where all of our integrations live. So you can see here that Gong is actually like an a, um, administrator level. So you can only see it if you're an admin. Um, if I was a user, I would only see Slack, Google Drive, Zoom, and this Chrome extension that we built. Um, and then you can generate an invite link. And this is how you invite people into uh, your organization, your fluency organization. Um, so that's kind of what like just a, an organizer sees from the fluency perspective. Um, and then this is actually what a user would see. Um, so you can kind of see here, like uh, fluency is an app. Uh, it does not have sending turned on. Um, and what happens is you finish a call. uh, Fluency will automatically uh process the transcript. And then if there's a partner match, it literally just sends like, here's the partner. Here's what the partner does. And here's that call to action we were talking about. Can I- um, So it gives you kind of the meeting name, the partners, and then, you know, a little bit of context about what to do. Can you have more than one call
1: to action in there? Like a learn more and something like a refer area. Oh,
2: two, two of
1: these buttons? Yeah. Right now it's just one. Okay. But they get the yep. high level overview. And then you can have multiple yeah. partners. So if three partners are brought up in a meeting, you could have all three.
2: Yeah. So you can see here that there's like six in this one. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, very soon, like this week, we will actually be giving the keyword that triggered this partner to give a little bit more context. And then uh, in the next several weeks, uh, very short on our uh, roadmap, is actually to give lots of context. So you know, Qualtrics. Uh, this is the keyword that triggered it. Here's why it might be a really good match, and we're giving it a four out of five stars uh, in in matchability. Oh, cool. That sort of thing.
1: That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Monday was one that I was like, that might be tricky. I bet the word Monday comes up.
2: We're not actually searching for the name of the company. You're searching for oh, the use case and then recommending the it. The problem. Yep. That's right.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: So how how all of that would be reflected in the CRM? Is there any, any connection here from the Slack to CRM? Okay.
2: Yeah. So so because of the Bootstrappy nature of this. Yep. Uh we are like, if you have an integration use case, we will build it. Um if you sign a paid contract. <laughs> um so we haven't had a ton of anybody be like, well, I really need this to be in Salesforce, but I have a Salesforce developer account. Uh we're ready to build an integration like that, but because Salesforce can be integrated in a bajillion different ways. Uh, We're just waiting until somebody has, like, a really compelling use case that they need that information in, and then we can go from there.
1: And honestly, I think Slack's better. Like, I think salespeople are going to pay attention to a Slack yeah, I message. think uh,
2: what Dimitri is getting at is more like if somebody clicks on the referral button, would it record it in Salesforce that somebody had engaged with this partner? Yeah, so that there is a a record of the right. partner engagement. Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: my my rev ops yeah. mind is just uh, you know kicking Agreed. in. And I think uh, and I think a lot of these these agencies that you're working with, I think they will look for that as well because that's how they can prove the you know the valid case to use it.
2: I, um, I could not agree more. I just need that use case from somebody who's willing to pay for it.
0: <laughs> exactly, right. And I think it's a you know having this uh, element of control, and I don't like the word control, but I think what I mean by the control is that you see the data and you can actually assess um, of you know the level of usage and adoption of that tool. Uh, I think it's it's helping the sellers to really see, okay, this is a good investment. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of these individuals, they can look at the data. Actually, it's not only me who is using this, this is the entire team that is using it. So why not really continue uh, on that journey? And and that is supporting your case, right? So it's it's not about really killing uh, management by reporting at the very mm-hmm. detail. I think it's, it's just probably at the aggregate level to see whether this is working and to what extent, and also give them an insight into, uh, where they should, you know, allocate more resources to build stronger relationships with these partners.
2: And yeah, the attribution piece is huge, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's so there's a, it's a, it's a one thing to sell a one to action, but also see, uh, on multiple levels, whether this is working and how to really fix this. Right. Because if you have, a uh, three levels of that relationship and, you know, one of them is maybe not working well, just because you couldn't see, well, you're essentially leaving money on the table. Yeah. Um, right. So it, it's worth to have that visibility, although I agree with Lizzie and, you know, on Slack note, because Slack is designed to be actioned. I mean, I don't know how many less emails we writing right now because of Slack. Let's be honest. Yep. Right. Because it's uh, something that pops up and you can immediately respond and it's very convenient as it should be. So, um, yeah, that's where I was going with this.
1: No, that makes sense. I didn't, I think from like a, this is a clear potential partner influence revenue source, which is actually really hard to track, uh, generally speaking. So eventually that'll be a nice thing to happen. Whatever CRM they're using and it automatically gets marked as, oh, they took an action with a partner, partner influence. And it's something else to, to justify yep. that partnership. Totally.
0: Um. Okay, shall we move to the product part or...
1: Yeah, Lizzie? let's do it. I'd like to. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's my section. Apologies. Yeah, let's. Uh, oh, it's <laughs> like waiting just for Debbie just to out. just calling <laughs> it's, you. Like, out. let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you you started to hint a little bit at a few of the things on the product roadmap, which are exciting. Just to to like rounding out what that Slack message actually says. Um, what else are you working on? Or are you, Are you excited to potentially work on in the future when it comes to the product that you haven't mentioned yet? I know we've talked her a few things.
2: Yeah, so um, our biggest thing right now is just making sure that there's context. Um, You know, the feedback that we've gotten so far is like, I actually don't know why this partner was surfaced. And so because I don't know why this partner was surfaced, like I'm actually not going to take any action on it. And then fluency just becomes noise. And that's about the last thing I want to do is create more noise in people's worlds. Um, And so we've really started taking a look at – this is going to sound so buzzy and i hate that it sounds buzzy but like the reality is is that generative generative ai is actually like built very specifically for for this, for use this case. kind of use case <laughs> um we're not building like i just want to be super clear we're not building a skin on ai you're not going to see a something in fluency that says like make this better with ai like what we're really doing is saying like uh weirdly enough i don't know if you know this but ai doesn't do a command f very well like if you ask if you give it a chunk of text and you say find all of the instances of this word it won't do it it's not designed to because it's a next word generation engine right it's just trying to find like the next great word in a sequence of words that ends up in some kind of logic um and so if you feed it a transcript it won't look for words um you have to identify them right and so um what we're really trying to get at is being able to say like once we've identified that there is a keyword match um being able to grab the context around that keyword use generative ai uh combined with the rest of our data model around the context of a partnership um in order to be able to say uh this is why this this is why this partner right um and then also be able to learn from ourselves and our own matches to say like this was a terrible match, right? Like, we are actually going to be learning as we go along. Our own data model will be learning as we go along to say, uh this is a bad match, like maybe we shouldn't use this keyword or this version of a keyword or something like that. Um, but that context is, I think, the biggest missing piece that we have right now that we're really trying to solve for. I think we solve for it a little bit by surfacing which keyword it was that matched with which partner. And so we can solve that one pretty quickly. But um, again, like going back to, we're a bootstrap company, and so things just happen right. a little bit slower. Um, But we'll get there. I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, so the thought that you would actually pull out, like, the entire sentence or uh, give more context to, like, when the keyword was said, Um and then you're, you know, you obviously recommend the partner, but could the generative AI, and I'm not great at generative AI, so it might be a silly question, but could it actually prompt the salesperson or CS person to of what they should say. Like, hey, we talked about X, Y, Z. Therefore, you should use this partner because it does blah, blah, blah.
2: Yeah, so the context um and and the context is gonna come from a couple of different places. Some of it is actually like user generated context. So the the organizer when they're setting up fluency will get the opportunity to add what they want their keywords to be and then also what they think the partner solves for, right? Because a company like um Salesforce could solve for, or HubSpot could solve for a hundred different use cases, right? And so like, what are the things that those companies do for you as part of your better together story is an important piece of context right cuz like i can actually i can put context into generative ai and see based on this these number of criteria like is this a good match but if that come what that company does is five different things and you're really focused on the one like i wouldn't know that as the creator of fluency and so i actually need you to tell me what is the better together story or what does this company solve for in your particular context? Um, and so it what once we kind of have that back and forth between us and our users, um, then we can actually say, like, this is why we think this is a good match and use gener- generative AI to give the context that comes in the Slack message that they could literally then... Copy and paste, paste. yeah, <laughs> and and send to a customer
1: if they wanted to. You got to make yeah. it easy for these salespeople. No, no shade on them, but they have a lot of things
2: going on. <laughs> yeah, and like, no, they have yeah. a ton of things yeah. going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and adding yeah. a partner really does add a lot of stress. It really does, and they have to really trust that that process is going to be beneficial to them and that they're going to get something out of it. And so, like, we want to remove as much of the friction out of that process as we can.
1: Yeah, and as the sale gets larger, or as you know, more and more, I feel like. T- tech in certain ways is like pulling back together but in other ways splintering it it might not be just one partner, right? So it might be three. And so to be able to explain, okay, we have these three partners that solve for the things we talked about. Like it starts to become a lot. It's hard to talk about it sometimes as a partner person, much less someone who's not in them day, day in and day out. So Yep, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think
0: I think the sales is getting more complex in general, right? No matter where where you are, which company you are, um, it's becoming more complex, especially when you're trying to scale it, uh, because you have to just double. We have to double down on something, and you have to make the decision, right? So you can't go to with too many options, and you know choosing one that is a really difficult process, right? And uh, of course, there's a lot of testing before and getting that information, but it, among all of them, I feel like um, the use cases that we discuss here they're giving a lot of opportunity to be cost efficient. And scale with a fairly low attack um, however, this is there's, there's one case that I, I can't solve for and that's always, I'm always struggling with in in this space. Um, we mentioned mentioned a lot about uh, agencies and I think there are some industries or some industries that are heavily relying on the agency like partnerships right um, what is your take on creating the right incentives for the agencies? to start working with you. Right? Um Yeah. Cuz I so, from my experience it's a, one of the biggest problems um how to convince someone that the deal I'm offering has everything they need and they're going to they're going to agree with that.
2: Uh so I asked an, I asked an agency owner, a CEO of an agency. I said, "So what are what are the kinds of partners that you prefer to work with?" And he said, "The ones that pay me." Um <laughs> like it's just really as simple as that, right? I mean, and there are some uh my my current customer has grown his entire ninety one of his percent of his revenue in twenty twenty two came from either community or partnerships, mm-hmm. so he understands like that that's incredible yeah ninety one percent um and he's a a wizard at the community at, at gra- grabbing uh par- pipeline from communities um but he also knows that like when he treats his partners with love his partners treat him with love and so like that's just that's kind of not all agencies think like that but like he really does um but this other partner or this other agency owner was essentially like if your incentive to work with me is that i get two hundred and fifty dollars one time for making a referral like piss off right that's i i want you to pay my mortgage not my starbucks bill so it's essentially like is is the just to start with like is the incentive uh like long do they get it over the lifetime of of the customer like if the if the customer keeps coming back and renewing with you because of my referral do i continue to make my 20% do i make 10% uh and initially and then make 10% you know, or 20% initially and then 10% year over year after that like those are like really compelling especially if you don't have any trust to begin with like trust me because I'm going to pay you right like and then also like this, this piece of enablement where you're like, I'm gonna make it super easy to work with me, right? Here's the link, yep. <laughs> right? Or whatever it is. Like they shouldn't have to dig through five people to make a referral. And then I think the biggest, one of the biggest pieces once you've sort of established that uh, the actual contract is that when they send you a lead, you treat the lead like it's the hottest lead you've ever had, mm-hmm. right? because if they're sending you leads and then those partner generated leads sit in the CRM and nobody's touching them for months of course they're not going to send you any more leads like they trusted you they trusted you to take care of their customer and you failed yeah. so like that to me those are the big like you have to jump on the the trust once you've overcome the awareness and you overcome the awareness by giving them a lot of money enabling them well uh, and then, and then uh, treating their leads with like the utmost concern. One of my, Sorry. go ahead, Demetrius. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say one of my like
1: biggest complaints about any partnerships tool that we're looking for our partners mm-hmm. to use is, oh yeah, you just have to have your partner log into this platform and you, t- <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and you already touched on that. of Like you don't log in ever again, your partners don't have to. And um, I think that's like potentially to set up, right? Potentially put in your payment information or whatever it may be, but like after that, they need to be able to do it via Slack, via an email, via a link or something like that cuz partner I barely log into all of our our tools. Why would a partner log into the tools I've asked them to to log into? Um I think like something that's coming up for me is Fluency is reliant on other sales and partner tech tools also being successful. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the trends that you're seeing there, you know, what you think is working well, um, what you're hoping will start to emerge across some of the sales and and, um, partner tech tools out there.
2: Yeah, so I think that it's following the same trend that sales tech did in 2010 and that martech did in 2015 or whatever 2018 right so it's sort of like one company created this single pane of glass they rode the jugger- juggernaut wave into uh you know everybody's future the way that salesforce sort of did uh but then salesforce became this like you know enterprise behemoth and really small companies cannot afford them and so what ends up happening is they they're they we create this tech stack of a bajillion different little companies that are like decently priced um, and to solve like an overarching problem, usually or sometimes in a better way than the single pane of glass could do, right? So like, I think the same thing is happening with partner tech. Partner tech has been around for a long time, a really long time. And there are some really great companies that are out there, but it was, they were designed to solve for what was partner problems. And those were usually channel problems and channel was only really available to the very big you only had a channel sales team when you were big enough to need one. Yeah. Um, but now ecosystem is sort of the moat across the board. They're asking founders at my stage to think about their ecosystems. And you can't ask founders at my stage to think about their ecosystems without point solutions that help them to solve the incremental problems until they need the bigger giant solution. Um and I so I I think that's what's happening with partner tech too is that like we have really awesome companies being very good at their specific thing, and then what is really going to be important though is to hit that integration piece a long time before Martech and Sales Tech did it. Yes, that'd be um, great. And start, <laughs> right, and start thinking about as an example of what partnership should be maybe the partner tech companies should figure out partnerships a long time before <laughs> before the marketing and and sales tech companies figured it out in their own ecosystems um and so for me what i'm thinking about is like uh could a uh the call to action in a fluency message trigger a super glue workflow right yep um could a call to action uh in uh in a fluency message lead you to a partner fleet marketplace listing right yeah, um Re- and referral or, link or whatever maybe yeah, or a Euler referral link, right, or like what so we're just thinking about all the different ways that like I kind of see fluency as like the very first step in partner engagement. Right. Because we're identifying the even if you don't know that the partner exists or what it solves for, we're going to identify that for you and get the whole ball rolling. And then all of these other amazing companies that have been created in this space then can pick up the next piece and then pick up the next piece and pick up the next piece until there is momentum for the ecosystem. Yeah, I think
1: uh, what I've seen in like the the more in the startup realm of partner tech uh, is a lot of that happening. It's like, yep, we do this thing and we do it well, and we're going to connect with this partner because they do this thing well, and we will build that better together story. Um, So I'm glad it's actually coming to fruition with all these partnerships, people building these tools.
2: Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I'm really hoping so. Uh, I think we're all at the point, too, where we're like, is there a customer that we can do this together with? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. we're getting there. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... I have one question about the trends uh, so in direct sale, uh there's probably a theme of the year. Uh, we're moving up in the up market, you know in terms of targeted accounts. Um, you know we, before we we're doing this long tail thing, and you know the small companies, we we're doing freemium. now we don't do this. we want to move to the big companies, and of course there's a saturation. there's a lot of these big companies they have a very strong policies about buying things, and it's actually much harder to get in than ever right especially if you have a current market conditions so do you see any any similar uh trend on in the partnership industry right like this is moving uh towards specific segment or segments it's it's actually doing any segmentation from the tools and solutions perspective um do you see anything like that
2: i think it's actually kind of the opposite um, because channel partner tools or or like legacy partner tech was really designed only for enterprise to begin with. Um, because partnerships and ecosystems were only for the very big. Uh it just wasn't a thing that you thought about until you were like a Series C company. Uh and then you started to be like, Oh, I guess we should probably figure out how to partner with the other companies in our in our ecosystem to to pull on this other growth lever. Um, And so what I think is actually happening is that smaller companies are starting to recognize partnerships as something they should invest in. Now, to be fair, a lot of these companies think that partnerships is a partner is a growth hack. And so they're like, let's hire a partner person and then we'll just grow. Uh, And that's not really how it is. But there are a lot of really well-intentioned CEOs out there who know that this is like a a long-term investment Mm -hmm. and who get it and are making the right plays and hiring the right people and investing in the right technology, they don't need a PRM. They don't need a they don't need a PRM. What they need is like really thoughtful tech that helps them to scale their partner programs. Um and so I actually think that like it's the mid markets, the small to mid markets that need most of the help of these of point solutions like Fluency. Now granted like this is a enterprise this is a cloud marketplace problem, right? Like imagine you you've got sellers at AWS like you've got sellers at AWS, GCP, uh Microsoft who literally have no idea the breadth and depth of the number of companies in their marketplace. And yet they clo- they actually get lots of incentive to sell through their marketplace. There are entire uh consulting firms there Tackle, right? Tackle, like literally its whole existence is helping you to get listed properly inside of a marketplace, inside of a cloud marketplace, and then help you to co-sell with those teams because it's and it's such a difficult thing to be top of mind. Like imagine if Fluency was able to sell into an AWS and all of a sudden they had immediate access to the partners that solve the problems they're having with their customers without them having to go dig through a marketplace or be consistently be- bombarded with all of this enablement material from all these companies yeah like i'm just saying no could be really big <laughs> <laughs> well we you know being at
1: inbound a couple of weeks ago i it's something they're working through right how do we get our sales and cs teams to understand the apps available in our marketplace so that they sell them more because we know when people use our apps they stick around longer and get better usage out of our product um yep and so it is an enterprise problem that has not been solved i think they have solved a lot of those larger marketplaces have solved a lot of problems in-house, like a directory or even a PRM system. They can build it in-house. Maybe they have it on top of some software, but they've solved it. So I think you're absolutely right. Like, it is very much a mid-market problem. I can't get us to build a large-scale directory uh, in any any sense that's going to be efficient. Um, but the fluency specifically, I think, is something that most companies still haven't cracked the code on. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Cool. Uh, Well, we're on to our last round, so kudos to the industry. What are uh, a couple of companies that you, and I know we've talked about a bunch, so maybe you've already brought some of them up, but a couple of companies in the space to sales tech or um, partner tech that uh, you're really excited about right now and think are doing some cool stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is relationship-focused, right? So, like, these are partner tech uh, uh, founders that... like it's all yeah, a relationship like, based. It's, 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 it's gonna, that's always that's what it's all about it's with gonna, partnerships. It's a relationship. <laughs> it's gonna be one of those things where like these are the people who uh believed in me eighteen months ago when I was like, Look at me, I'm a founder and like <laughs> and really had like zero things to sell and no idea what I was doing, and they were like, uh, we believe in you and uh and you know, and never once have been like disparaging or anything like that, so clearly, like super glue. Um, partnerportal.io. Um, uh, Greg Portnoy is doing, I think, gonna do if he delivers on his promise, uh, with Euler, I think it will be incredibly disrup- disrupting um, to the the PRM space. And, um, I, I really love uh, Kenny and Cody and the entire team at Partner Fleet. Um, and uh, aside from you know them doing what they do really really well, right? Like that's the whole point is that they're really focused on the one thing that they do really well. Um they're also just like amazing people, every one of them. Um uh, Eddie, Rob, Greg, uh Kenny Cody, um you know, all all really amazing people. Um are it's going to be clear
1: that we run in the same circles cuz most of those people <laughs> either we've already recorded <laughs> with or we're going to, uh but agree that they're <laughs> wonderful people the one thing uh and we've talked about this before too we need to get we need to get some more women in that group of people uh and they'd be yeah open it was actually arms. just like
2: yeah I was actually just going through that in my brain of like oh man I didn't name like a single woman so uh Naomi Dreyfus is a wonderful person she's coming out with a new uh partner tech um and for the life of me I'm really sorry I wish I'd
1: We'll get her on air, it's, don't worry. It's eluding
2: me. Yeah, it's eluding me like what she's doing. Obviously, I love Cass and Autumn over a parter tap. Um, they're killing the enterprise uh uh account mapping space. Um uh it, crap. Yeah women founders in Parter Tech, I should know better. Dina. Is it is it Moskowitz? Yes. No, yeah, yeah, Um not to put you partner optimizer, is that right? She does a really cool like helping you figure out what your IPP thing is. Yeah, um it's fine that you're not putting me on the spot. I'm okay. trying to like, dig them all out of my brain. Uh so yeah. Well right. I got my besties though, you know, like I just got besties.
0: Well we'll figure that. Uh, you know, like Lee said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have
1: uh the same circle here for a couple of episodes.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, Alex Buckles. I forgot to mention Alex Buckles, a forecastable.
1: Okay. I don't know too much about forecasts. Well, this is great. This, oh, Al- yeah. Alex is doing some to, cool.
2: To follow, yes. uh, he's, yeah, he's also changing making some pivots that might be really interesting to talk to him about. So, yeah. Cool. We do
1: this to like obviously give people shout outs, but what it really becomes is like a lead source for us for oh, future podcast oh, yeah. episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's multi, multifaceted. Exactly we'll um, yeah. <laughs> Jesse, where can people find you and fluency?
2: Yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am on the linkedins more than i care to be <laughs> <laughs> same uh but i'm i'm on linkedin uh if you message me i almost always message you back almost immediately unless i was sleeping um so sorry to everybody who's in the uh the the uh anz region you'll have to wait 12 hours um and then uh my website is getfluency.com and fluency is spelled with an I. So F L U I N C Y. You can also check out my podcast. It's called Literal Scratch. Um, it's uh, me and Aaron Howerton and Adam Pash as we. Uh, <laughs> Dynamic partnership duo. Genuinely just shoot this shit every Friday and talk about partnerships and life and jobs and family and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. Sounds
1: good.
0: It's probably a good uh, place to stop and uh, wrap it up. Uh, Thanks for this episode. Um, uh, Thanks for sharing your your, your demo and details. Um, I think we have a clear understanding what your product is about and where you're going. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Reptech Podcast. Please subscribe on the listening platform of your choice. And leave us a review to let us know how we're doing.